Seven minutes past 11. Tony Grasso, good morning. Good morning. Tony is Principal Consultant at cybersecurity firm Titanium Defence. He worked at GCHQ in the UK and is a former intelligence officer in New Zealand. Right, who are the baddies and what bad things have they been doing? <laughs> it's kind of a good news story first, isn't it? Um, well, it's, I think it's a double-edged sword, actually, Catherine. Um, so the Lockbit gang have been taken down by an international uh, law enforcement team. So the Lockbit gang, uh, their modus operandi was to use ransomware to infect uh, people's uh, systems, their company systems, of course, but they also, and this is what ransomware is now doing. What what ransomware does is it, it locks up your machine effectively, so you can't you can't use it, and it spreads prolifically throughout your network if you haven't put in good security. Um, and it it honestly can take a working system and a working organisation and bring it to a halt literally within minutes. Um, what the ransomware people do now as well is that they exfiltrate data because. What they what they learned from the past was they can ransomware some systems, and then the companies will go to backups, and so they're up and running again, so they don't pay the ransom. What they're doing now is they're actually taking data and storing it. These gangs, and that even if their systems come up and running again, if they don't pay the ransom, they'll release all of this private information out onto the ether, which is a which is a very compelling uh, business agreement, I, I guess you'd say. But we've had an international group, the UK, US, France, Germany, and even Australia were involved. I'm very sad to see that we aren't on there. And what they've done is they've done a counterattack on this gang and, uh, and attacked them electronically and brought their sites down. So that's kind of exciting because it's stopped them in their tracks. However, they haven't actually arrested anyone. And so the reading, if you read the news article, the, the suggestion is that they, though they've done a counterattack, which sounds all very exciting, they haven't actually known where they physically are located. They've obviously mapped their, their, the um, organization's network online and attacked them accordingly. But Lockbit have come out and said, OK, so you've taken down some of our servers, but we've actually got loads of backups as well. Um, you know, they're an organization that makes money. So it'd be very interesting to see if law enforcement's actually got one over on this Lockbit gang or they're going to reappear again. I think what might happen is that you may see the Lockbit gang um, reappearing using different machines elsewhere. Just help me understand this. I'm sure. just looking at the Reuters story, the link he sent me. Yeah. And you're looking at that screen that stops your heart. It says this site is now under control. Yes, but in this instance, of the law the, enforcement. <laughs> in this instance, it's the gang's site, and they're saying, am I correct? Yeah. This site is now under control of law enforcement, correct? Yeah, that's right. But did I hear you say that they retain... Does the, does the, has, the, has the gang already taken the data and put it somewhere else? Yeah, I mean, they've just... The, the gang have done really good security that any organisation would do, they've and they've got up. backup. <laughs> they've backed up. So, the so takeaway how... <laughs> is, sorry, the takeaway is that the law enforcement haven't physically located where they are, only electronically, right? Okay. So what impact does taking the site out? It means they've still got the data that they'd already mm. taken illegally, but at the moment they can't use the site to take more? Well, yeah, well, 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 indeed, but but I, I think we just don't know now what the impact is because it could be that law enforcement have actually st stored a bit of a hornet's nest with Lockbit because what they normally do 
when law enforcement do these kinds of operations is that they also do physical warrants, break into people's home, arrest people, and, and basically break the gang up. But in this case, I've only attacked them electronically, according to the, according to the um, news article. So I'll be interested to see what happens next. Do we know where Lockbit is based? There's always the usual suspects, um, and, and often it's gangs based in Russia that, that are um, fingered first. Do we know Indeed. where they are? Well, it sounds like we don't. No, and, that, and that's the issue. And it, but you're right, it could be that they are in a country that, that we are not aligned with. That could well be the case, and maybe that's what's going on in the background. But that doesn't come through in the news article. But it, it's very interesting that they only attack them electronically and not physically. Mm. They are, I'm quoting the brilliantly named John DiMaggio, <laughs> chief security strategist uh, at Analyst. They are the Walmart of ransomware groups. They yes. run it like a business. That's what yeah, makes that's them right. different. So what sort of companies, again, we don't get to know, do we? What sort of companies no. have been hit? Are we talking big corporations? Well, I think the target list is huge. I mean, they, they um, because whenever you're trying, like when you're legitimately trying to sell a product, you normally have certain verticals you go for. Um, they've, they've ignored that. They go for everybody from financial services, transportation, government departments, schools. I think it's basically anybody they can get into, they do. Your second story. One thing I will say for these hackers, they often come up with very, very creative names, or someone does. <laughs> yeah, so do. we have Zeus and we have Iced ID. Yeah. So oh, what are they? So so this was actually this and again another hacking group but what's uh, what's happened here is so Zeus um, and IceID they were very popular malware that stole bank account information, passwords, personal ID. They were making a lot of money out of this. They were the first ones to create malware as a service. But their leader and excuse my pronunciation but Penehokov um, not sure that was pronounced right. Um he was arrested in Switzerland. So he was on the FBI's most wanted list uh, for a long time. And this guy's obviously gone, I don't know, he's started to travel, whether it's on holiday or for some business reason, maybe. Um, landed in Switzerland, immediately got arrested in October 2022. Has been, was extradited to the US. We know that these things take time. So he's been in custody since then and is now being charged with a slew of um, charges around fraud, wire fraud, uh, money laundering, and so on. Each one of these counts carries 20 years. The thing about law enforcement is that they can't catch everybody, but when they do catch someone, they make an example of them, and they really throw the book at them. And I don't think this guy will see the light of day again, you know, this side of his 80th birthday. Um, and, and, and again, it talks about the reach of having communities or, or countries working together. You know, Switzerland has obviously communicated with the FBI and the states. And so this makes hackers, it makes it life very difficult for them on where they can actually travel. Because we all want to go on holiday, including bad people. And it really restricts their travel, and um, they will eventually get caught. All righty. Um, so 20 years in prison, he'll be 80 when he gets out. Um, that's 20 years per, 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 per um, <laughs> issue. <laughs> I was going to say, are our cyber criminals ageing? Are they hitting middle age? But no. <laughs> um, yep, but it's per, uh, it's per um, 
uh, um, it's, um, charge. It's uh, cumulative. Very good. Yeah. Okay. And then did we deal with the other one? We've dealt with them both. Uh, yeah. This is Ice Dyed Yeah. Yeah, now, yeah. Uh, FA hacks, not to do with the football, but no. to do no, with two factor authentication, which we should all, of course, be doing religiously. Well, we kind of all are. I mean, it's been, it's very much, I think it's become quite commonplace, two factor authentication. The idea of that with banks, of course, um, is if you're trying to make any sort of payments, it will, it will normally prompt your phone and say, is this you making a payment? So this is what the banks are using now. So that's a form of two factor authentication. It is very effective, and it has been for the last sort of five years, and people are now making this commonplace. However, there are, as usual, criminal gangs find different ways to get out, get around this. So one of the um, one of the ways that they get around this is, for example, if it was your bank, what the hackers now do is they create a site that looks like it's your bank, but isn't, um, and they sit in between that page and the actual page of your bank so it's called a man in the middle attack and that you'll put in your credentials and they will intercept those credentials because it's going to them and then put them into your bank and then when there's a legitimate mfa request the person will unwittingly accept it thinking they're logging into their bank and actually it's the it's a fake site that they're going to, but the attackers have got into your site and into your account. So that's called a man in the middle attack. Um, again, it's very difficult to pull off. It is possible and it and, but it's very difficult to pull off. So the likelihood is relatively low, but it is something you always have to be aware of. It's always make sure you're not clicking on a link in an email or something like that. Make sure you're typing in the name of the domain that you're trying to go to or the bank. So just help me when this could happen. Um, at what point could the man in the middle insert themselves in the middle? What would you be doing? Would you have to be actively wanting to go to your bank, say, yeah. or other sensitive site? The, the most likely way would be somebody would, that would say, well, this is a message from your bank, please log in. Usual. We, yeah, usual. And you click on it, you don't realise you're going to a fake site and somebody picks it up and go, oh, great, and they get, they get the credentials to get in. You know, again, it will be probably prompted by something like a phishing campaign. And it brings us back to the age-old argument, which is do not click on links to, to yeah. access a bank or another sensitive site. Always go in through the front door. Always go in with the address so that you yeah. know you're going where you think you're going. I think the banks have hopefully stopped sending texts with links in them. <laughs> yeah. They were still yeah, doing well, indeed. it. Honestly, they were still doing it last year. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but hopefully that's not that's not happening. And then, of course, there's the psychology of this as well, isn't it? And this is where these guys are so clever. Once you've been presented with a, a push mm -hmm. notification, you know, a code prompt, prompt or a text has come through, you've got that sense of comfort that things are happening as they ought, but they're yeah, not. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, that's right. Um, and, 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 and you're talking about the push notification. The other way that they, they do it, which I think, and I've seen it, I've actually seen it myself, is that the attacker will have your, your username and password. They're logging into a legit, the legitimate site, let's say. We'll just say it's your bank because freeze. And then you'll get a notification and you're going, oh, that's interesting. Uh, and ignore it because you're not logging into the bank, so you think. And they'll keep doing it. So you keep getting notifications on your phone, for example. And you'll just accept it just to get rid of the pop-up. And this works really well. People will just click OK or yes, it's me or whatever it is just to get rid of the pop-up. Gosh, actually, that's evil, isn't it? Yeah. 
And this is another thing. This used to happen to me when I wanted to get rid of a scam text, but I didn't want to click on the link. Yeah. They can be quite hard to delete sometimes. You know, depending on your phone, there's, there's drop-downs that you go to in order to bring up delete. And you're just terrified you're going to hit the link while you're trying yeah, right. to get rid of the damn text. And if you're being pestered with the text, yep. can you block the text, actually, if uh, that's happening? Yeah, I, su- I suppose that you can, but most of, um, but an awful lot of MFA is done through the dedicated apps. You know, oh, that goodness. An, the Authenticator app. And yeah. for a lot of people particularly if they're stressed or they're just not thinking, they'll just do whatever it takes. So they want to get back to whatever they were doing on their phone or whatever it is that they were doing, and they'll just accept it without thinking. This, this, uh, this also raises another issue, which is banks' preparedness as well, and I don't want to get on our high horse again, but no, um, we will keep getting on our high horse with Why their not? slowness on things <laughs> like yeah, um, indeed. account number matching and name matching. But some of their security, you wonder if it's upped as well. You know, we're getting to the era now where um, AI is going to be used to yeah. try and fool, well, already is, to fool family members. But there's there's a risk of familiarity. There's, sometimes at the, at the other end of the call, there is the risk of duping the bank person as well, especially when we're so dependent now on the likes of phone and, and, and internet banking. Internet banking less so with the secure messaging, but certainly on the phone, right? Yeah, I mean, it is it is always about. If you notice, all of these attacks are all about attacking the person yep. who is the who is the weakest link. Um, and th- this actually happened. Uh, we talked about it actually last year. Uh, you and I did about the MGM um, had a massive attack, uh, cyber attack that they had. The way that they got in was that, so- that the attacker rang up the help desk and said, hey, look, I'm really sorry, I've forgotten my password, my boss is going to give me a hard time, Can I've got my, this is my username, can you reset my password, please? Uh, which is what they did, trying to be helpful, right? Because, you know, help, there's people, that clues in the name, they want to be helpful, and um, particularly if you give them a good story, it, again, it triggers that emotional response, and they, if they don't follow strict process if they have one, of course, they can inadvertently actually give the password, reset this account, giving it to the attacker, and the attacker now gets in. And that's exactly what happened at MGM Resorts last year. Very good. Now, finally, uh, Mac attack. Uh, Mac being the computer, is it? Yes. Uh, very quickly on this one, I just think Mac, uh, Mac the computer, never gets uh, enough airtime. But they do get they they do get hit. There's a current one that's out at the moment called Rustor. Um, this is malware that allows backdoor entry into your machine. It's the it's the usual thing. It's um, it's a PDF file. If you click on it, it will try and install uh, malware onto your machine. I, I just um, we always bash Microsoft, but you know Mac is susceptible to to malware just like everything else. Thank you, Tony Grasso, principal Pleasure. consultant at cybersecurity for firm Titanium Defence.